Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles everywhere, to the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro, and I'm here at the NovaCare Complex in South Philadelphia. The excitement level off the charts, of course, this week. The Eagles in week six, primetime game against the Dallas Cowboys. It's perfect. It's just perfect. Eagles have this game. They're 5-0. and The Cowboys are 4-1 and playing good football. It is just the scenario that you want. Two rivals battling for the top of the NFC East. Tons at stake. Last game for the Eagles before they have their bye weekend. Just perfect. Eagles, of course, coming off a tough win in Arizona. Congratulations to Cameron Dicker, the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Two field goals against the Cardinals, including that 23-yarder with under two minutes to go. The eventual winning points for Philadelphia. As we record this, we still don't know the status of some injured players. Jordan Mailata, Eagles left tackle. Place kicker Jake Elliott. All questionable at this point as far as, you know, will they play this week? We don't know that. So we're waiting to find out later in the week if the Eagles are ready to go and be whole against the Cowboys. We do know that, at least we suspect, that Cooper Rush will be the quarterback for the Cowboys. He's 4-0 with Dallas, replacing Dak Prescott. We have a loaded Eagles Insider podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group for you. So let's get right into it. In a bit, we'll hear from head coach Nick Sirianni, our weekly one-on-one. Our first look at Dallas, veteran reporter Mickey Spagnola from the DallasCowboys.com. Benny Logan, former Eagles defensive tackle, is the honorary captain this Sunday, and he talks a little bit about the rivalry. And then we're going to tune in to an NBC conference call with Jason Garrett, Tony Dungy, and Chris Collinsworth. But first, one-on-one, it's a great interview with one of the newest Eagles, a really interesting guy. Make sure you just dig in and enjoy this interview with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Glad to be joined by C.J. Gardner-Johnson. First time really meeting you. How's Philly? It's great. A little chilly. (laughs) This is nice weather, man. It's a little chilly. I know, that's true. You're like a Florida guy, and then New Orleans. Sun's out, bun's out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How do you enjoy being a Philadelphia Eagle? Undefeated, playing good ball, Great atmosphere, great locker room, great front office, great teammates. So a happy life right now. You said that right when you came in, that you like felt it, that it was a great... I'm, like, what is it about the building? Because I've been here my whole life, so I don't really... I, I don't have anything to compare it I to. I can say, okay, the food's good <laughs> in the cafeteria. Teammates are amazing. Uh, the, the staff is like A1. Like, they probably one of the best staff I've been around since probably college. You You're know? talking coaching staff. And front office. Cool. I like I like everything about it. Yeah. So. Sometimes you just know if it fits, right? You know, I already know if the shoe fits, you got to wear it. I love it. All right, CJ, I want to talk about football, of course. Um, you're coming off a big game mm-hmm. against the Cardinals interception, 10 tackles. Um, can we pause that just because I want people to get to know what you're all about. And I think your story is pretty remarkable. I'm with you. I'd like to start with the most important person in your life. Yeah, I say my kids. Okay. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I really got to like, I make an impact on them because of who I am. So it's like, being on a platform and, and showing them that your dad is like a, he is more than just a, a, a father figure I want to be somebody that they see like you know I want to be like him or I want to be better than him like I want my kids to be better than me how old are they? so my twins are one and my baby boy is four did I read the story right that you <laughs> you had the baby boy and like the first time you had to change the diaper, you did it without like any I, instruction I was, or something. I, okay, so <laughs> I didn't know how to change it, and then 
you know, mother of my child, she was telling me, like, this is what you got to do. So I went all script and did it myself. <laughs> I think I had it backwards. <laughs> and then I, uh, it was... It was Good thing I, there wasn't any poopy coming out. No, nah, no poopy. No poopy, no poopy, no poopy. <laughs> uh, what kind of father do you want to be? Oh, honestly, I just want to be one of those fathers who can lead by example. You know, if you can, like... It's like coaching them without coaching them. So, like, if I can just do things and just show them what's the right way from the wrong way. And it's like, it leads into being a good teammate, being a good friend, being a good person to, like, anybody in life, you know? Because a lot of people have goals and aspirations, but I think my biggest goal is probably be the best father figure by leading by example. Maybe before your time, I don't know when he said it, a little deep here, Charles Barkley once said that that athletes shouldn't be role models. That's 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 a false narrative because you got like a billion people looking at you. Everything you do is scrutinized and criticized. So I think the word role model is under undervalued because we don't use it anymore. I think role model is one of the biggest words, probably in adult life and kids' life that you can you know you can ever. Is it fair that athletes everything you do is scrutinized and and yeah. and discussed? Yeah, it's the it's the it's the, it's the it's the price you pay when you want to be the best and you want to be at the level you want to be at. Like, I think about it. You want to be at the top of the mountain. Everybody don't see the top of the mountain, but they see the bottom of the mountain and how jagged and messed up it is. But when you get to the top of the mountain, it's so beautiful. So I just want to be at the top of the mountain to where I can control the narrative. John Thompson, former Georgetown basketball coach, and a buddy of mine told me this. He said that, and for years I've always lived with this. He goes, not that I am, but he goes, the wind blows hardest at the top of the mountain. That's when, that's when you face the, the biggest challenges because you don't want to get knocked down. I think right now, being at the top, I'm not at the top yet. I'm still climbing and, you know, just adapting to a new city, adapting to a new scheme, adapting to a new life and moving within like three, four days before the season. I think I'm still understanding that my left boot's not as, as rugged and not as ready as for this mountain yet, but I'm building myself up week by week, game by game. And step by step. Mother was a great athlete, wasn't she? Great athlete. Is that where you get it? Was your dad a great athlete? Great athlete. You? I say the whole family was great athletes. Okay. Really, the whole family. Are your brothers great athletes? Yeah, my little brother's in high school right now. Senior. Okay. He caught two picks last week. Nice. One, one to win the game and one to begin the game. Uh, why didn't you do track? You were a state champion in track. <sighs> and I, uh, the money wasn't good. <laughs> the money wasn't good. <laughs> money isn't good enough. If you had, if there was a forty yard dash in that locker room with Devin Allen with Quez with you, would you like? Would you? Would I'll you, still would be one the, right now. I think I'm probably the second fastest on the team. <laughs> Shout out to Devin because he got he run hurdles, so that you got to be pretty fast. But I think I'm the second fastest on the team. And why do you fall in love with football? Like, what is, what is it about the game, CJ, that you like so much? You want to be honest with you? I just like. Honestly, I like being physical. Like, growing up, watching Sean Taylor, Ed Reed, really watching the old Florida Gators really made me want to, like, be, like, a physical. Interesting. Yeah, like, Ahmad Black, Major Wright. That was really my first glimpse because I went to a spring game, and that's when I was like, okay, I want to be a physical football player. Somebody who knocked somebody's head off. You were, in, you were actually at Florida while you're still in high school, I think, or what was the story there? You went early? Okay, yeah, I— so I had a I had a verbatim. I want I didn't know if I wanted to leave or stay and run track. The problem was I didn't care about winning the state championship in track again because I didn't win one in football. Ah, uh, okay. You don't like the individual awards. You like the team awards. Yeah. What do you like about the team environment? Is that like do you think that your life 
is kind of run by, see, I always think that like football mm-hmm. is such an ultimate team sport that the world should run like football. Like if I, if I have to get your back and you have to get that guy's back, yep. and, wouldn't the world be a damn better place? It would, but you know, everybody got their own mind. I know, I know. I'm, I know. I've just everybody been doing it for own. my whole life. If, just, if, if a head coach could run the White House, like a football coach could be like the president, that'd be kind of sick. Right. Like, I'll be like a security guard. <laughs> I'll be like a security guard. I think guard. Dom's first in line for that one. Nah, I got Dom beat. <laughs> uh, or you, get, you, get, you come to Philadelphia, CJ, and I wonder what was the emotion like coming to a place that um, you probably really didn't know a whole lot about? I felt love when I first got here, so I think the emotion was high. I didn't know what to expect first couple of games. I was still kind of figuring it out, new to the defense. See, people yeah. don't understand. There is a lot to learn when you come and have to figure out a defense. The job that you have to do is really mental before it's physical. And I think the mental part has been a, a, another level for me because I'm taking on a new responsibility, a new position. Yeah, think about it. I ain't played this position in almost years. And now coming into a system where they trust me, I think each and every week is getting better and better and better. What they say that being a nickel cornerback can it, it translates well to safety. Why is that? Well, you got to be able to think faster and be able to process. Like being in the box is more so. Right now, let's go, let's get it. Being in the back is more so. I got to get my guys lined up, make sure they know what they're playing, make sure I know what I'm playing, and set your feet and let's go. Um, away from the game, and I will get back because we got a big game on on, on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Gamer, um, why are you so into gaming? Ah, take me away from football. Take me away from the world. I like. I think I'm another person when I come to video game. And what is what? What, what do you do? Like, give me. The, I'm not a gamer, so okay. I'll play. It's Tuesday night. You're playing. You're sitting in front of your TV playing games against people that you don't know. Okay, no. Nah, so I get on Twitch. Okay. Make sure you go subscribe to my Twitch. Two X C D. Two X C E E D Y. Okay. I play Good Call promo. of Duty, Two K, and Madden, and I play Grand Theft Auto on a system that's called Five M. So five of them is like a world where you can portray yourself as, say I wasn't to make it as a professional football player. I can do anything I want to do. Or I go play basketball, think I'm like LeBron or something on 2K. Or I can go be on Madden and just think I'm a GM like Howie and just start paying people or cutting people based off my liking. But it's a video game. It's like you could take all your frustration on a video game because it's not harmful. Um, do you think you can someday be a great gamer and... You know, your generation, you're making money on in the gaming world. Like Boston Scott's, you know, the king of kings in that locker room. I think... The goat in right the now, locker room. I think right now, is, right now is all about connections when it comes to gaming and uh, meeting new people and keep and keep growing as my community gets better. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about the idea of you in Philadelphia. Do Eagles fans recognize you? Yeah. When I went to the Verizon store, I got a new iPhone. Uh, the guy asked me, like, wait, because my hair stands out. Nobody, I think nobody in Philly has the same hair I have. Can you tell me about, I mean, I'm obviously not in the same hair, <laughs> so hair game. I got, so. It's called Wix. Okay. It's like a Florida thing. Is it, it's, hair, it's your hair, though. It's my hair. It's just raveled up in like a straw. But it's not braided? That's not a braid? Nope, not braided. <clears throat> and how long does it take to do that? Hour 30. And did you, always, did you always have the green, or did you do that when you I was, came okay. here? Okay, it was gold when I was in New Orleans. All right. Yeah, man. We to adapt. We to know your audience. Yeah. All right, CJ. Dallas Cowboys on on Sunday Night Football. Um, you know, you you are you aware of the, the feeling the Eagles fans have? I just know we hate them. Yes. Uh, I know this rivalry goes back a while. Yes. So I think I got to adapt it the way I adapted the New Orleans and the Atlanta hate. Oh, that's the that's the rivalry, huh? Yeah. Not Tampa the, Bay. It's, eh, Tampa really didn't get good to Brady got there. Okay. Let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. 
I don't like Dallas now. I don't know. I never liked Dallas. But you respect them because they're 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 good. I respect them. They got. Re- it's just not okay. When I say I never liked the Dallas, it's just they have a chip on their shoulder. Like people in Dallas, general, have this ego. Like everything's better in Texas, and I don't understand. Like I'm from Florida. We got the beach. Got professional teams. Got jet skis. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of things in Florida, but you know I'm entitled to my own opinion. It's, it's like a it's like a state versus state thing. That's funny. Yeah. All right, let's get to know C.J. Gardner Johnson. Uh, you would like to meet Joel Embiid one day. I think we can make that happen. Have you met him yet? No, I want to. I'm trying to. Why is he your guy? Like you said, he he know how to embrace change. He know how to embrace the scrutiny of being from good to great. You see how he's up. He was up for the MVP last year. Before in the beginning we got here, they called him. Lazy, whatever they want to call him, he just embraced like the the hate and the culture and just adapted and became one of the best basketball players right we ever see right now. Will you check out Sixers games when you have time? I definitely want to ring the bell. Was it ring the bell? Right? Yeah, I want to ring the bell. Uh, they'll they'll for, they would love you to ring the bell and go. Fit, was the Phillies? Yeah, in the playoffs. Hey, they would love for you to do that too. Let's I'm do sure. that. All right, Phillies are uh, Phillies are rocking. I love it. Let's go. Uh, athletes, your favorite athletes growing up, LeBron. Definitely. I got okay. I got some LeBron inspired cleats coming real soon for really? this game. Let's do it. Uh, would you say LeBron's better than Michael Jordan was? Uh, nah, I good, watched. I, good I, man. I, I watched. The, I watched the Michael Jordan thing. I don't think can't say better. He he will always have the level of competition, but the way Jordan carried himself, I think, is how you go about your business. Thank you for respecting history. Yes, sir. Um, Randy Moss also. Yeah, man. I had a Randy Moss jersey when I was little. Vikings. Yep. But you've never been a receiver. I was a receiver in high school, but like I always want that Moss thing has just carried me since I was a young guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're definitely a cartoon guy. Favorite movie, the, Madag- the Madagascar series? Yeah, I like the movie, movie. <laughs> and favorite TV show, SpongeBob SquarePants. Man, definitely. Dude, you're so, you're so my kid's age. Patrick Starr. I saw the, uh, we took my kids, I remember, to see the, when their movie came out in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. They loved it. Oh you know what's God. so crazy? You know what I want to you know what I want somebody to like make is the Krabby Patty car that was on the SpongeBob movie. Okay. You've dreams. dreams now, that, was a lit, that was a kind of lit car, like a two buns <laughs> as a bumper and a yeah, that's kind of lit. Yeah, that's kind of lit. <laughs> uh favorite pregame music and music NBA Young Boy? Yeah. And he's a cold MC. Cold MC. Just too cold. I don't really know what that means, but thanks for saying that. I mean, people who are listening know what that means. MC is like... I know what an MC ah, is. Yeah, he's he's a cold musician. He's cold at that. Okay. He's cold. cold. Yeah, yeah. All right. uh, uh, Favorite food, finally here. Uh, Hibachi seafood. Love it. Have you you tried Philly food? Like, do you like the food here? You know what's so crazy? Uh, Philly cheesesteaks ain't growing on me yet. The Philly cheesesteak. I think the pizza here is pretty bomb. Yeah. Good bread? Yeah, it's pretty bomb, but I like the hibachi. No oh, man, got to the body. You got that smile. And the final thing here, the I remember when you came here. I remember reading something about one of your great quotes, CJ, that you're like a little kid playing football, yeah. and your personality is like that. You are a fun, loving yeah. man. You appreciate life, don't you? Yeah, I, I don't really tune into the hate or the the booze or the negativity that people say because you got to think about it. I made it to the top where most people ain't really can go. And when I say the top, I made it to a profession where a percentage is like, the position is pretty high. So to be at a position I'm in, wake up every day, to have a job that's taking care of me, my family, the people I care about, I mean, they can hit all they want. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, check's still coming in. I'm still playing football. Nobody hating you, man. Yes, sir. Uh, CJ, thanks so much, man. Great Thank to, you great for to chat. Me. Great to know you. And uh, let's go beat the Cowboys on Sunday night. Yeah, fly, Eagles, fly. All right, Nick Sirianni getting ready for the Cowboys. Last year, the Eagles losing both games to Dallas. Of course, that last game, Eagles playing their backups in the regular season finale. Uh, it's a new year. It's a new Eagles team. And the results this year, we'll find out. But the Eagles certainly have the same purpose. Beat Dallas! One-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. Welcome, Eagles fans. It's Dallas week. That means it's time to talk to head coach Nick Sirianni, our weekly one-on-one. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Nick, before we talk about the Cowboys and Sunday night, let's go back to Sunday in Arizona. So interesting. Nine minutes, 43 seconds left in the game. Tie game, and you turn to the smash-mouth game. As you look back at that drive, what do you take from it? And, and as you reviewed it, like, what did you see? What worked? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, definitely what you said. It was able, we were able to run the football and really get our run game going. And there was a drive before that that we, we started to establish a run game a little bit um, in our 13 personnel. And so it kind of set the stage for that. So you just saw, uh, you know, us kind of grind it out with our run game, hit a big play, hit a big pass there to Dallas, and a really big time play. To me, that was the play of the game on the offensive side of the ball is that third and 12 conversion. But it was just great offensive line play, mixed the running backs a little bit. Miles really did a good job of protecting the football there. And it was just good team football. We felt really good about the, how we were running the football and just kept going. You talked from day one about being a physical football team. I mean, in your mind, is there any doubt at all that this is a physical football team? Like, you don't have to remind the guys, hey, let's be physical this week. Now, that was the theme of the week last week was, hey, just reminding them. It was the reminder of that how physical we are. And I think that there's, there's no doubt about that, that this is a physical football team because of the guys that we have on this football team. And, you know, we're, we're in football. Right? And no matter what sport. Right. No matter what sport you play, a lot of the times it's the most physical team that wins. That's basketball. That's that's football. Now, I might not be in baseball quite as much, but it's the most physical team that wins. And it's even more so in the sport of football. Defense, all these new pieces. You've had five games to look at a new secondary, new players, a linebacker along the defensive line. What are you seeing five games in? Yeah, I just think they keep getting better every time they step out into that on that field. They're getting they're coming to closer together and how they make their calls. We're tackling better each week. We're rushing the passer, you know, a little bit better each week. And uh, it's hard to say that when you had nine sacks a couple of weeks ago. But I just felt you know that there was pressure and the quarterback did a good job of getting out of some of the things there um, in the game. But it's just it's seeing that the, that we do have playmakers at all levels. You know, and to have those two shutdown corners like like Slay and uh, James, right? That's big time. Like because you can't just attack one, right? You, you got the other one to deal with on the other side. And then you know you can see some of the depth that's playing, right? And that, and that's pretty cool. Like the defensive line depth of, of how we see that. And then you know Avante goes down and Josiah comes in and plays a big role. So I'm really excited where our defense is. Our defense staff's doing a great job, and our defensive players are going out and making plays. Sunday night, Dallas comes in. They've won four straight games without Dak Prescott. I mean, how have they done it? Yeah, they they've played really clean football, in my opinion. I think. This, this is a really good defense we're, we're going up against. And, uh, you know, they, they haven't messed it up. I mean, you think, think you see a lot of games are, are lost more so than they're won at times, right? And you see that Dallas is going out there and they're, and they're playing really clean football. That's a really a tribute to their coaches and, and their players that, um, you know, the, the, of how they're playing football right now. And they're, and they're getting through with, without one of their best players. Yeah, it's interesting football. No turnovers on offense and then defensively, 
They've been lights out. Uh, Micah Parsons leads the way, but, I mean, can you've dug into them a bit here. There's more to that defense that has not given up more than 19 points in a game than Micah Parsons. Of course, yeah. They're, they're good all over, across the defensive line. There's no doubt about it. And when you're an offensive coach, the first thing you look at is can a defensive lineman uh, ruin the game and can a corner ruin the game? And they got 90 and, and 11. They're, they're awesome on the, on the edge. Um, there's no doubt we're going to have to be on our A game. And then they have Diggs over there. He can make things difficult um, at, based off of you know, who he is as a player. You know, he's a really good player. This is a talented defense uh, at all levels. And again, like I said, the, the, when you're an offensive coach, you look at the rushers that can get home and you look at the, the corner that can make it disruptive. And they got those guys. The great matchup, Eagles and the Cowboys Sunday night, a battle for supremacy in the NFC East. That's our one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. Thanks for joining. Go Birds, beat the Cowboys on Sunday night. How have the Cowboys done it? Well, they've been very resourceful on offense. They've been incredibly opportunistic on defense and special teams. They're just overpowering people with that defensive front. To get a more clear look at what the Dallas Cowboys are all about, it's our first look at the 4 and one Cowboys coming into Lincoln Financial Field. Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com. Mickey, um, look, we've been through this before. I, I, I will tell you, I, as you know, I'm sure, when Dak Prescott went down, a lot of people said, well, there goes the Cowboys season. So tell me exactly how this has happened. Four straight wins. And, uh, and Sunday night, we've got a, a, a showdown in prime time. Well, uh, a lot of the success the Cowboys have had without Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush starting uh, has been a result of the Cowboys playing really well defensively. You know, in the four games uh, he started, uh, no one has scored more than uh, 17 points on the Cowboys' defense. So it ended up being 17, 16, 10, and 10. Uh, and as you know, any time... <clears throat> you can hold your opponent to no more than 17 points, you end up with a good chance of winning. Uh, and, uh, you know, with uh, Cooper Rush not turning the ball over uh, and just doing enough uh, offensively uh, with the help of the offensive line and in this last game, the, the running game, uh, they've managed to win all four of his starts. And by the way, uh, he becomes the first Cowboys quarterback uh, to win his first four starts uh, for the Cowboys in the NFL. And now the first five, if we add in the game he started last year and, and won against Minnesota. It, it, it's like a throwback. Like this is like a different era of football. And, in the NFL where they won a lot of points scored, Dallas is, is winning, I guess we'd say, the old-fashioned way. Um, let's first talk about the offense and the run game, and it certainly looks like a two-man operation with, with Tony Pollard, with Ezekiel Elliott. How are those two complementing each other? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, the, it's the old lightning and thunder uh, cliche where, uh, you know, Zeke is, is the thunder, uh, he comes in uh, with the heavy hitting in the middle, uh, and uh, I think what happens is, uh, and, and he's been, you know, it, it, like this last game was nearly five yards a carry, it seemed like anyway, uh, and it was all tough yardage. Uh, and it seems like, and I saw one play where, you know, it was Zeke, Zeke, 
the defense gets to that speed of the game, that speed of uh, the running back, and then the next play, Pollard pops one through the middle, and I think it catches defenses off guard by his speed to hit the hole, which is different than the speed that Zeke hits the hole with. And it's been a really good, uh, you know, complimentary running game uh, that has worked so far uh, for the Cowboys. Mickey, coming into the season, there were questions about the Cowboys at at the wide receiver position. Gallup was injured. You know, you you shipped off uh, Cooper to the Browns. Uh, The offensive line, some question marks. How have those two groups played in these first five weeks? Well, the Cowboys, uh, so Michael Gallup doesn't get back until uh, the past two games. Uh, And in the interim, uh, they got a significant boost from Noah Brown, and I'm sure you've heard the name before, and he's been no more than their <clears throat> maybe fourth receiver, fifth receiver for his first uh, several years in the league, and a special teams guy. As a matter of fact, you know, I got tired of hearing that, well, Noah Brown's on the field because he blocks well. Well, if I need somebody to block well, I don't need it to be my wide receiver, right? You put me another tight end out there. But all of a sudden, he gets the opportunity to basically be the number two receiver, uh, and he steps up and becomes a threat, catching the ball, getting open downfield, uh, run after catch. Uh, so that kind of minimized somewhat the loss of Michael Gallup. Uh, and then Gallup gets back, and now he becomes uh, the deep threat that he is. Uh, and with Noah Brown out there, uh, having some experience uh, to go with what C.D. Lamb can do. Uh, as for the offensive line, <clears throat> it looked like with the amount of young people the Cowboys had on the uh, and still have on the offensive line that this was going to be problematic after losing Tyron Smith before the season even began. Uh, but the rookie, Tyler Smith, uh, has done a credible job of having to start at left tackle at 21 years old. Uh, I, I think he's been somewhat surprising. Have been, there have been times where he struggled. Yeah, there's a play or two, uh, three every game. But for the most part, you know, he showed why the Cowboys selected him uh, in the first round of the draft. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, it, they selected him there with the idea of, okay, this is your left tackle of the future. Well, the future arrived a little bit early, uh, and here we go, and he's done a nice job. Uh, Connor McGovern, who then moved into the starting spot at left guard, uh, the more he's played, the better he's uh, gotten. So, yeah, with those two guys kind of playing at the level they are, uh, the offensive line hasn't been kind of the predicted disaster that I think everybody thought was coming uh, when they lost Tyron Smith, and then Tyler Smith spent the whole training camp playing left guard, uh, competing with McGovern, and he's got to go to left tackle. And so far, uh, so good. Uh, and, and, you know, a little bit of the reason that's taken the pressure off those guys is the Cowboys have stubbornly tried to run the ball uh, to somewhat protect Cooper Rush, uh, and it hasn't always been you know, dramatic as it was this last game against the Rams, but it's been good enough uh, 
to make opponents at least respect the run and give Cooper Rush a little bit more time in the pocket. All right, let's turn our attention to the defense. It's really been remarkable. Um, I, I Already the Eagles coaches have talked about and the players have talked about Micah Parsons. I mean, have you seen anything that is even remotely close to slowing this guy down? And, and just, and Mick, you've been around the league a long time. How dynamic is he in, in the annals of great defensive players that you've seen through the years? Yeah, uh, he's a different cat. Uh, you know, normally when we see some of these guys, they're one position or the other. They're either a defensive end or they're a linebacker. Uh, but he's both. And uh, he's been pretty remarkable in his second year. He was awfully good as a rookie. And now I think with a little bit more knowledge, uh, a little bit more uh, anticipation uh, and maybe preparation for what offenses are trying to do, uh, I think he's been even better. Um, now he's dealing with a little bit of a, a groin strain that he suffered in the game on Sunday against the Rams, uh, but even that didn't keep him off the field, you know. And he basically said, "You, you, you, you would probably uh, there was nothing that that could happen to me that you were going to keep me off the field." You know, funny story, Dave. Uh, prior to the draft last year, when I saw his uh, kind of highlight tape, film, whatever video uh, from Penn State. I was looking at this guy, and I'm going, well, this guy's remarkable. Uh, you know, if the Cowboys can get him, they need to take him. And somebody said, well, you can't take a linebacker that high in the draft. And I'm going, well, why not? And they go, well, you just don't – they already got linebackers. I said, they don't have a linebacker like this. Uh, and, and, and I said, and what, what – and look, I was just being a smart aleck, right? I said, what if he's Lawrence Taylor? Would you take him? And they go, oh, you're going to go there? And I'm going, well, okay, well, let's see what transpires. Well, he ends up being a very good linebacker. And when Demarcus Lawrence uh, ended up missing nine games after the season opener, it was like, well, we'll put him on the line of scrimmage and let him rush the quarterback. Let's see what happens. Well, he ends up being a load there, too. So uh, that he's multidimensional on the field, it's been a while that we've seen a player of that quality in so many variable uh, positions. Yeah, and everybody knows that he's the guy, and nobody can stop him. I mean, he really – I know they move him around. I mean, he just really speaks to his ability to, to beat anything that's in front of him, and really he must obviously spend a lot of time in the film room and, and really work on his craft. For a second-year player to have this kind of consistency, it really is, it, it really is Lawrence Taylor-ish. And, and, you know, and, and teams now know, right? They know they got to make sure they compensate for him. Uh, and it would have been for sure the Washington game that uh, he was getting double teamed by two offensive linemen or he was getting double teamed by an offensive lineman uh, and the tight end. And then at one point in the game, it was the, the tackle, the and the tight end, and the running back was chipping him. And they were still having trouble holding him at bay, that he was just kind of powering through. And, you know, you're talking a guy that's, you know, like, I guess 6'4", round 260, who ran a 4.36 at the combine. You just don't find guys with those, those you know, physical traits and that dimension of speed. 
so yeah, uh, I'm sure, you know, for, and, and he's going to face it. You know, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator goes, Hey, everybody knows this is not going to get any easier for him, you know, for the rest of his career. This is what's going to happen, but he still seems to make an impact. And to me, uh, sometimes he makes a bigger impact playing linebacker because you don't know what he's doing there. When he rides up a defensive end, you know that's where he's coming from. But at linebacker, there's more different ways they can use him, uh, and it's been pretty valuable. And he's just got uh, the temperament that he's so competitive uh, that uh, I think the rest of the guys on the team just kind of fouled in line. And it's like, okay, well, if Micah Parsons can do that, then I can do it too. And so far, uh, that defense has been able to keep this team afloat uh, with Dak Prescott out. Yeah, and what's really impressive, Mickey, is that I know last year there were, I mean, you guys certainly against the Eagles did good work defensively, and there were a lot of takeaways, and but there were also a lot of big plays given up last year. Those big plays aren't happening this year. Why is that? Yeah, I think it, being in Dan Quinn's defense, uh, a second year, uh, some of these young guys that were playing last year have a little bit of experience. Uh, and maybe Dan Quinn also having a better idea of what some of the players can do and maybe even better what they can't do and not put them in those positions. Uh, and, and I think that uh, because of some injuries last year, some guys have to play, and they've developed some depth uh, where they can kind of come in in waves. And, you know, Dan Quinn was talking about it in his, his press conference yesterday, uh, talking about how he rotates guys in there with the idea that I want my top guys, uh, my first liners, uh, fresh for the end of the half and the end of the game. So because we've got some depth, he pointed out, uh, that, you know, I can rotate guys in there and not wear uh, the first-team defensive linemen out uh, and, and, as I said, and try to keep them fresh for the most critical parts in the game. Uh, and you're right, uh, they have eliminated the big plays. Now, uh, the Rams hit them for a couple, uh, but that was it uh, because uh, when the Cowboys have lost the previous two times to the Rams, uh, so it was the playoff game in the 2018 season. The Rams ran for 273 yards. Uh, and then when they beat them uh, in the 2021 or 20 regular, 2020 regular season, they ran for 153 yards. In this game, this past Sunday, they held them to 38 yards rushing. So when you're playing the run that well, uh, and again, they're not playing against a quarterback that's going to present what Jalen Hurts does, uh, then you're less susceptible to play action and some big plays in the passing game when you know uh, the quarterback's going to be throwing the ball. Mickey, finally, what do you expect on Sunday night from the Cowboys? How do you, how do you feel this game's going to play out? How will they try to attack the Eagles? Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a slugfest. And, you know, these, these four games they've won uh, with Cooper Rush, I mean, it's been the same things. Uh, it's been the same pattern. Uh, try to run the ball, and even if you're not getting much, uh, just be persistent uh, to make them at least respect your run. Uh, don't turn the ball over. Uh, 
and try to take advantage of a few throws uh, down the field. Uh, it's been a very conservative approach, uh, kind of leaning on the defense. Mike McCarthy always talk about having to play complementary football in this league to win, and I think it's they've leaned on the defense, banking on that they don't have to take uh, chances, uh, too many chances offensively, just kind of methodically try to move the ball downfield. And, you know, if I got to kick a field goal, I kick a field goal. And Brett Maher uh, has been, after not being with the team and signing him uh, during training camp when they had a four-man tryout, he's hit 13 or 14 field goals. And so if you look at, you know, the few amount of points they've scored, Every one of those field goals have been very important for this team uh, just to put three points on the board, three points on the board, and keep just chugging along, relying on your defense not to give up uh, more than the 19 points it has in the first five games. Benny Logan, the honorary captain on Sunday night, played with the Eagles for four seasons, a third-round draft pick in 2013, also played with Kansas City and Carolina, and he had some time to talk with me about this rivalry and about playing in the city of brotherly love. It's Dallas week. Sunday night, the Dallas Cowboys come to town, and we will be visited by former Eagles defensive tackle Benny Logan, our Microsoft Teams legend of the week. Joining me, Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Benny, you're looking good there. Great to see you. Uh, played with the Eagles 2013-2016. Third-round draft pick. Um, let's talk about coming back to Philly and what it's going to be like for you. I'm excited. Uh, it's also great to see you. I'm excited to come back to Philly, uh, especially Sunday night. I've uh, actually been coming back to Philly the past few years to games to come and visit. I mean, Philly is just amazing uh, to me. The time I spent there, you know, Philly just growing on me, and so I built a lot of relationships, and so I always try to come back and visit those people that I have those relationships with. That's amazing. Um, you know, you know the Cowboys. Um, yeah. You know the rivalry. Uh-huh. From a player's standpoint, kind of as you have some perspective now, what is it like playing the Cowboys when you're a Philadelphia Eagle? Uh, it is great because you know one thing, the rivalry, the, the energy, the everything behind this game and leading up to it is going to be great. The players, like I said, when my time there, the players, the teams hate each other, the fan base <laughs> hate each other. It's just pure hatred. And when you know you play those division games, especially against the Cowboys, especially at home, like the fans are going to bring it. Uh, one thing I learned my time in Philly – as long as you beat the Cowboy twice a year, it's a great year. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but, so but, definitely. but Benny, I always, I, I always love it. You ask a player, hey, what's it mean to play the Cowboys? And you guys are like, ah, it's just another game. Did you really mean it? Yeah, no, nah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I hated the Cowboys, man. I'm from North Louisiana, so half the people in my hometown are Cowboy fans. And you just always hear it. And oh, you know how the Cowboy fans are. They always talking. And so when you get a chance to play this game with all the talk going on and leading up to the game, it's just a great opportunity to go out there and just showcase, you know, what a good team and what the city, you know, rally behind. Was it on the field any more nasty, tempo different, any sort of trash talking, get a little bit more intense, or is that stuff just for the fans when it comes down to game time? A little bit, but it's mostly for the fan. After the game, I think that's when a lot of talk goes on. <laughs> um, Benny, do you, any of those games stick out to you? Um, 2013 Eagles win in Dallas, win the division. Um, uh, Brandon Boykin has the interception. And, yes. You know, the, right? Rookie season, you're like, boom, this rivalry is something special. 
It was because, you know, there was also during the time when Dallas was forming his, you know, offensive line of the decade. So that was everybody was talking about it. And Zeke being the rushing leader and everything. So it was definitely a little more ump to it. So every game after that, uh, my first game on uh, with Philly, you know, Dallas game was big to me. And from then on, every time I played Dallas in my career, I always looked forward to Dallas. Love it. Uh, you know, you still have some friends here still playing on the team. BG, mm-hmm. BG and Fletch, um, you must be very happy for them to see that I their am. careers have gone on so long. It's played so I well. I am. I am. I'm definitely happy for it. Uh, I still talk to Brandon Graham and Fletch to this day. I'm always texting BG after the game. BG called, FaceTime me sometime before the game. Even after the Super Bowl, you know, BG FaceTime me. Uh, I was just so happy, and I'm still happy for those guys. Continue rooting for those guys in the team's success. BG uh, uh, has been, you know, somebody who, like, everybody is he's always an upbeat guy. And when I hear that, Benny, that he's FaceTiming you before a game, uh, I guess I'm not really surprised. He's, he's kind of got that personality, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, he, he, just, yeah, he's just a great, happy guy that's always, you know, enthused about, you know, football and just having fun and enjoying life. For you, you finished in Kansas City and Carolina. Um, tell me about your NFL career as you look back on it. And, you know, what, what do you remember from, from those years in the NFL? Man, my time in the NFL was great. I learned a lot. Uh, I was able to meet some good people. And just the knowledge, you know, from my first year to my last year of playing, it made me a good player. And also, it helped me apply to a lot of things that I learned to my everyday life. What is life like for you now? Uh, life for me now is uh, I'm settled back in Louisiana. I help well, I volunteer coach at a, a high school down here. And so that's why I'm doing my free time, and I'm doing a lot of hunting and traveling. I love it. Philadelphia as a sports culture, Benny, how would you describe it? Oh, by far the best. Yeah. <laughs> the best, the best, the best. So much love and just appreciation and, like, diehard, passionate fans. I always wonder from players, and in your case here, what do you miss about being in the NFL? I, it's never every time I ask people, it's, it's never the games they remember. It's kind of like the relationships, the conversations, the, relationships, the moments. Yeah. The relationships and the bond last forever. Like even though uh with Vinny, though Vinny was there with me, uh Cedric, I still talk to Cedric, I still go and visit Cedric. Like those things, the relationship that you build with people last forever, man. And I could say that's the one thing I miss about it. It's just seeing those guys every day and then be able to just hang out with them and talk with them. And just catch up on life. Why were you able to be successful, Benny, do you think, in your football career in the NFL? Because I just played hard, man. I enjoyed every moment when I was out there. I always left it out on the field. Uh, that's when, you know, when I was done playing ball, I had no regret. Because every time I was had opportunity to be on the field, like, I left it all out there. So that, for me, was the thing that helped me, you know, be successful and have a good career. See, I like to hear that, man. Thank you so much, Benny. Benny Logan, our Microsoft Teams Legend of the Week. Uh, we will see you on Sunday night. Um, you're going to be on the field. You're going to hear the fans again. You're yes. Gonna, you're going to get some shivers? Uh, probably so, man. It is. Like, I come to the games and things, but being out there on the field is definitely going to bring up a lot of emotion from my time being there. But I'm looking forward to it. I love it. Enjoy every bit of it, Benny Logan. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. You have a great one. And in our extra point here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group, the broadcast team from NBC Sports held a conference call earlier in the week. I picked out a few clips that I thought were really relevant. Let's begin with former Dallas head coach Jason Garrett just just marveling at the Philadelphia Eagles. 
about what a complete team, Howie Roseman and company, have put together. You know, Philadelphia is playing, playing as well as anybody in the league. They're one of the most complete teams. They can run it. They can throw it. They can rush the pass or they can cover on the back end. They just play, they play really well throughout their whole team and they feed off of each other, and they're doing all the right kinds of things. They're taking the ball away on defense, and, again, they're a balanced attack on offense. And for me, the Cowboys' defensive front is just off the charts. It might be the most impressive unit that, that we've seen all year long, uh, the impact of Michael Parsons paired with guys like Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, it, it really is transformative for their team. Tony Dungy offers a really interesting perspective here, how the Eagles' style of offense impacts how defenses can play them. And keep that in mind on Sunday night because Dallas has done a really great job flooding the zone but not blitzing. Can they get away with it against this new, improved, and very explosive Eagles offense on Sunday night? The style of play that Philadelphia has on offense, it really limits you on defense because of their RPO game. You can't play a lot of zone coverage. You have to play man-to-man because of their ability to run and his ability to be a runner. You have to bring the extra safety up to account for him. So he's seeing a lot of straight man-to-man, one-on-one, and he's got receivers that can beat that, and he is making the throws. So I I just think the combination of his development and their offense, he's going to put up some lights-out numbers. We all know that A.J. Brown has had a tremendous impact on the Eagles in the passing game. This offense has been outstanding. Chris Collinsworth says the impact goes beyond just his catches and his yards and his touchdowns. A really interesting take here by the NBC Sports analyst. I think the body type of A.J. Brown has really helped this team. Um, You know, there's RPOs and slants and Balls over the middle sometimes aren't the most fun thing to do as a wide receiver. And yet he is such a physical presence in there that, you know, if you want to take him on and tackle him, put yourself in a little bit. One of the, one of the issues I think they have, though, uh, is just some of the pure size. You know, I mean, Devontae Smith, obviously, not a big guy. Quez, not a big guy. In uh, a lot of their offense, you need blockers at, that are playing wide receiver. They do a lot of the quick throws outside. They do a lot of the bubble screens. They do a lot of different things. And, and it's tough in this league to ask somebody that weighs 170 pounds to take on some flying up the field to bust up one of those screens. So, uh, you know, there, there's always good and bad, but I, I think that the pure speed of Quez, Devontae's always been one of my favorite players to watch just because he's just so athletic and fearless for a guy that's, that's his size. But I, I think A.J.'s physical uh, component of, of this offense has really made a difference. It's like it's like having another tight end on the field that, that runs like a, a wide receiver. So, yeah, yeah the, the big three, and, and then you got to put it in Dallas, too, right? I mean, Dallas is, uh, may end up being their, their best at the end of the year anyway. So that is quite a compliment, especially when you have to stop the run first in this offense, and then you've got to deal with, you've got to deal with those four. 
And that'll do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks to Ray Doyle, Kira Mahoney, Eagles Media Relations Department, and everyone who has a hand in putting this together. We got a big one for you on Sunday night. I really want to thank you all for joining us each and every episode. And if you have a moment to give us a review, we love those five stars. I've included a link in the details section of the podcast library. Make sure you're with us late, late, late on Sunday night for our Instant Reaction Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. It's the Eagles and the Cowboys Sunday night, prime time. Eagles looking to get to 6-0 before the bye. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly. And go, Birds! E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!